I'm Andy Scarantino, and this is View from the Roof, formerly known as the Get the Fuck Off Podcast. Every week, I'm going to be bringing you bits of goodness to not only help you get the fuck off the shit that doesn't serve you anymore, but also to get you to think deeper and wake up to the world around you. My mission over the last three years has been to make personal development digestible for those who are ready, but they maybe don't want to speak in a soft, whispery voice or sit in the lotus. Through sharing story and interviewing cool people who are important to me, I hope you'll be able to see the world in a new way. You don't have to sacrifice your outstanding personality, and all of this is quite the journey. I'm really excited to have you on that journey with me. Welcome to my View from the Roof. Everybody! Welcome back to another episode of View from the Roof, formerly known as the Get the Fuck Off podcast. I am here with another guest today, Mac Bogert. He's a friend of mine. We met each other on the Friendship Bench, which we attend with Biz Catalyst 360. I had Dennis Patoko on the podcast already, who talked a, a good bit about that. Mac was my first friend that I made on the friendship bench. Did you know that, Mac? Well, I I do now, but about five seconds ago, I was unaware. You were my first friend that I made on the friendship bench. And I wanted to have Mac on the podcast because we always have great conversations. I just asked him, what are we going to talk about? He's like, I don't know. So I'm excited to see where it goes today. Uh, But Mac, I would love to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself and uh, let's flow in and out of some cool places. What do you think? Uh, like I have anything to say about it, right? Because it's out of my hands. We are talking about trusting the universe and more and more, however you want to, you know, capital U, small U, she, it, he, you know, the Greek gods, the Roman gods, the Christian myths, anything you want to subscribe to. For me, it makes no difference. It's still bigger than you and it's bigger than me. And that's enough for for me to like ascribe more trust to that those it us whatever that is um and to understand that my judgment is severely limited by my biases and my age and my race and my upbringing and you know all this shit i mean apparently by the time we're five we're pretty well formed i've heard that yeah, I teach I, that. Yeah. yeah. Well, hello. Yeah. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't mean like body hair and stuff, but as far as our spirit and our emotions and you know, our, all that stuff. Um, so, my theory, my theory, if you remember Monty Python, um, is that we're just tall children, and th- as soon as that sort of came to me um from the universe um i was like yeah shit that's it that's it i mean my i have grandchildren though i have no children um i have a stepson and uh as i watch them growing up and we've always been really really close all all four of them as they've grown up the 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 oldest is a chef in north jersey the youngest is in her senior year of high school 
Um, <clears throat> all of them at some point have said, you know why we love to be around you? And I was like, I guess I don't. So tell me. And they said, because you never talk to us as if we're children. Mm. And it makes my spine hurt when I hear people talking to little kids and going, well, and how was your day at school today? It's like, stop talking down to them. They're not mentally deficient because they're shorter than you are, for God's sake. In fact, they're probably smarter than you are. 100%. Uh, in all, the, in all of the, the right ways, right? Like in all of the yep. ways that, that matter and are important. Oh, and that's a treasure, I think. And I don't think it's a it's it's a huge leap of intellect or faith to say that's good. That's good. Um, and it is. Uh, it doesn't get better for me. Um, as you as you know, I've been in recovery for ooh, almost 15 years. Um, and part of recovery is discovery, I think. You know, um, <clears throat> looking in the mirror as a metaphor, not just the physical part, but um, going, okay, this is negotiable. This ain't. Yeah. You know, and, and, and just doing that with clarity and with love. Such a... It, it sounds like such an easy concept, but the with love part, because, you know, my listeners know I'm also in recovery almost four years. <laughs> Actually, I would say recovery is longer than my sobriety because, you know, I make distinctions between the two. And I would say that recovery is almost six years and sobriety is almost four. And with clarity, with love. Oh, I didn't have a lot of love when I started recovery. Like, and I and it was the opposite <laughs> the opposite of love it was like stern judgment and like and i now as i look at it and i don't know if this is relevant or 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 uh, if it resonates rather not uh, in your experience but this harsh judgment pointing a finger at myself and wondering whose finger is that <laughs> that's a that's a bumper sticker <laughs> who's we got to yeah. that's that's my next job mac i'm just gonna start you know cranking them out we're the internet's oversaturated we're going back to things we did in the 80s bumper sticker creation whose finger is that there, whose finger is that and it's it is such bullshit it is so toxic and <clears throat> we've talked before about you know i do surveys in my work um not like formal surveys which i think are really awful um but um, I have no trouble asking a, a room full or a screen full of people with whom I'm working um, some some pretty pushy and hard questions because I want them I want them to get a good dose of chaos right up front so that so that their brain is going whoa wait a minute wow oh, wait a minute and and their a brain is like firing mm -hmm. on all cylinders. Um, and when I ask them, which is harder for you to give love or receive love, they always, all of them always say, it's harder for me to receive love. Doesn't surprise me at all. Receiving should be an Olympic sport. And it's, I mean, what's, it, it's such a, it's such a, I mean, we do so many things to keep other people at a distance. Yeah. 
And we do so many things, I think, to keep ourselves at a difference. Like whose finger is that? I mean, where does, I mean, I don't think, I, I grew up in a, you know, I'm a white middle-class guy. I grew up in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, which is a nice place. Um, my father ran a good business. Um, so we had, I remember in 1957, I don't know if you're familiar with the 1957 Chevrolet, which I think is one of the best looking cars. It's got big fins and all this shit and a lot of chrome. And it's like, I am familiar with this, this vehicle. I it's am. Got, it's got like two, two guns on the hood, you know? So we had a matching convertible and a station wagon. And, you know, so, so we were, and m my parents were fine. You know, it was still in the day of spare the rod, spoil the child, child a little bit. So we got physically punished, not like with a hot iron or something, but, you know, that kind of stuff. But I don't have any complaints about that. And I got some toxic messages from my parents. You know, the sort of undercurrent was, <clears throat> though I, I don't think they ever said this, is that you're not quite... You, you don't perform at quite a high enough level to like really make the grade. Hmm. And I never got a report card back then. They were written. That's, I remember because the cool thing about written report cards is if you, if you're really careful with a marker, you can change a D to a B. Hmm. Mm -hmm. I bet you wish you knew that trick a long time ago. Um, so everyone always said does not work up to his capacity. What a blessing. But there's the message. Yeah, you not enough. Not Move enough. faster, do more. And I think about I and I'm not really sure, you know, but as I think about knowing how old you are, then you know your parents would have been what silent generation. I mean, silent generation. I mean, that was not a, a generation that was very forgiving. And when I say forgiving, I mean of anything. <laughs> like, yeah. like, a, like of anything. I mean, my grandmother was a silent generation member. She's still alive. And I remember being young and I tell this story a lot because it's one of the few that stuck with me. You never have those stories that stick with you. Like it sticks with you just a little bit more than another story does. Yeah. And I remember being a young, curious child playing with, I had a collection of rubber balls that you'd get from a vending, like vending machines in grocery stores, like, you know, the quarter machines. Yeah. And I had, I don't know, I had, at one point, I had so many hundreds and I, they all had names and I was playing with them in the front yard. And I remember she came out and said, stop talking to yourself. The neighbors are going to think you're crazy. And then you're going to have to get like locked in a psychiatric ward or something, something to that. Nature. I remember like this, like people who talk to themselves, they're not right, you know, like, or however she said it. And it got me paying attention to myself, but also to her and how she did that everywhere. Like everybody just wasn't quite right. Yep. You know, I'm thinking about your parents and the, and the report card about like, well, what was the standard? Like whose finger is that? What's the standard exactly? What was the magical standard that everybody was trying to reach? What is it? The president? Was it Fidel Castro? Like, what was it? Like, what was the standard? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the time period. I'm just saying things. But like, 
what was the standard and 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 what is it now like because that's still happening i mean not so much with the younger generations i don't think you know gen z don't give any fucks um but i mean i know i still feel the pressure of it and i'm thinking what is what is going on like like what is that magic capacity that people want you to hit and get get like bob barker without going over well there are i'm sure that part of the people who listen to your podcast are younger so that they're like who the hell is bob barker <clears throat> but i know, know bob barker i actually I know bob barker <clears throat> Well, and and this just kind of burst into into my uh, brain, and it, it's always dangerous, I think, to like boil everything down to a single thing, right? Right. I, I remember in college, and I was in college in the '60s, so we did a fair amount of pharmaceutical exploration, hmm. um, and I remember staying up all night with my roommates plus our friend Sean and the four of us together founded chaos. We all had bumper stickers made that said chaos because we were big fans. And my friend Sean was general chaos. That was his title. So anyhow, we stayed up all night and we were spinning out into the galaxy and we were just having this amazing conversation. And right before we, we, we were ran out of steam, we figured out the meaning of life. And we wrote it down. Did you forget it? No, no. We wrote it down on the kind of file cards you used to use for like term papers and stuff. What was it? And we folded it up and we put it on the mantelpiece in our great little basement apartment. And we all went to bed and we thought we're going to wake up in the morning and we're going to open this up and it's going to fix the whole thing. And we woke up and we had coffee and everything and we went to the mantelpiece and we took it down and we opened it up and it said everything is nothing oh wow mac that was it all that all night long so back to whose finger is it and back to our <laughs> my uh, listeners are never going to see this video but I am lost in time and space right now, but I'm going to come back and allow you to finish. <laughs> I, well, I, I wish they could have seen your face when I when I said that. It, it, it was like somebody was going to need to give you a CPR because you kind of went into the zone. I left my body well, just for a minute. I left my body. Yeah, but I'm back. I'm back in. Back. So back to the finger. Back to the finger. That's not a bad movie title back to the finger um so anyhow what if just as a possibility i'm i'm not predicting this this is certainty or that this is aristotelian or socratic or anything but what if our parents are as afraid of being loved and some of the things they do with or to us are to protect them from us getting too close to them I a hundred percent can, can see that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as I, as I get older, you know, I think about that woman who told me that I was going to go to a psychiatric facility if I played with bouncy balls in the yard. 
calls. <laughs> and I think that's the woman who raised my mom. You know, like that, that's who raised my mother. And my mother's a compassionate woman. But my mom and I are only 22 years apart. I've dated people my mother's age. I mean, like, you know, like, I mean, really, like, we're really not that far apart. I have friends her age. I mean, it's not. And and I think that as a as, as a child, when my brain was young and malleable, I'm like primary caretaker, essential to my survival. Must, must, must please this person because she is essential to my survival. If I was to meet her as just a human. Right. I would see with those eyes so much clearly. But there's something in me that, hey, I was I was grown in that person's body and she was at one point solely responsible for my survival so there's like a blockage between my conscious and subconscious mind that won't allow me to to do it and as i do more work inner work you know Mm because that's recovery i mean that's not even i always i made this distinction on your podcast that you know sobriety is a beverage choice recovery is recovery like it's it's getting that stuff back and as I go deeper into recovery and now, you know, um, it's, it's been a number of years. I mean, I start to see that more clearly and know it with my intellect, but there are still those parts of me that hasn't embodied it, you know, like that, Hey, our, our parents could be afraid. Our parents want love. She wants to be loved. She might she might not even know how to receive that. I, I mean, I, I I shared with her the Louise Penny, the four mm-hmm. things that would four lead things. to wisdom. And I <laughs> and I repeated them to her and she said, Oh, I need help big time. You know, like you know. I was like, isn't that all of us? Isn't that all of us? I don't remember the quote. You probably know it off the top of your head if 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 you but I don't I don't remember it, but these are can... these are the four sentences that will lead you to wisdom. Um I was wrong. I'm sorry. I don't know. And I need help. And I need help. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. See, I could when 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 I when I first read that. And I, I just finished her her most recent book, um, which is based on a true story. A guy named um, Gerald Bull, I think. Anyhow, <clears throat> he was a crazy guy from Canada who invented this like this is true, this like 100 foot long cannon, which he was going to sell to the Iranians so that they could hide it because you could bury it and shoot like nasty shit at the Jews in Israel. Hmm. And this is true. And he was assassinated in 1990 outside his apartment in Brussels by the Mossad, the uh, Jewish secret service spy people, they suspect, but it could have been the Canadian spy people or the American spy people. So anyhow, that's her most recent book. And it's, uh, it's fabulous. But when, when I first stumbled on that quote, you know, these are the four things, it was hard for me to say it. Really? That's how, 
I mean, part of that may be a male thing because all four of those are things that men are not supposed to think, much less say. Um, it, it was like... Just to say emotional the, constipation. Like emotional I'm, constipation. Yeah. There's a good band name. Um, we got bumper sticker. We got movie. We got band. We got band. We're done. We have a future, my friend. (laughs) In naming things. Naming shit. Boy, wouldn't it be great to have a corporation? All you had to do is name shit. That would be. mm. But but now when I say those things, I smile and they like feel really good to say. So Uh so that, you know, I, I believe our issues are in our tissues. So that physiological freedom to say those as fun and and light and true and all those things it indicates for me a big change in how i've come along that i can say i need help not yeah i need help (laughs) it's like i i need help i was wrong boy that's a that's a hard one is that hard for you yeah yeah it is was wrong i mean i learned one of the one of the lessons i learned and and you know anything that we learn when we're little we get very good at very quickly i think and like and like, I, I, mm-hmm, go like language or music i mean i learned to play music as a kid so <clears throat> i grew up in a family that it wasn't are you going to play music it was what instrument are you going to play right 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 you know i mean we even my brother and I went to the dentist who looked at our jaws and our teeth alignment to figure out that I was going to play reeds like saxophone and clarinet. Yeah, and my yeah. brother Fred was going to play horns because he has a straight bite and I have an overbite. I mean, that's how serious music was. That's, that's interesting. Well, my, my, my father was a remarkable piano player. I mean, he was good, good. And I only heard him play twice in my life. Because this is my father, God bless him. He decided that he was going to start a business. He wanted to, you know, become a member of the yacht club and the golf club and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and that, that playing the piano didn't contribute to that. Mm. But a couple of times that I heard him play and once he didn't know that I was listening, he just sat down at the piano we had at home. And he just started playing. He wasn't reading music or anything. He's just playing. And it was really, really good. But so I learned about music when I was young. And as you know, I have a stutter too. And um, I learned that you can't stutter when you sing. So singing was a real important part of my life. I made a living as a singer. And I'm singing right now. I'm just not using a lot of notes because when I'm when I'm in, in my singing brain, I don't stutter. Yeah. So I learned to hide my stutter. I didn't learn to get rid of my stutter, which apparently that's, I mean, Joe Biden is a stutterer and I can see him do stutter shit all the time when he's speaking. I can see the little tricks he does, but there's this little pause, just, and then he plugs a new word in. Um, And I remember my mother saying to me, don't you ever let me hear you talk to your sister like that again. And I don't even remember what I said to my sister, but, uh, well, the lesson I learned was just like that. 
it wasn't that I talked to my sister that way. Is it, it was that my mother heard me talk to my sister that way. So my tactical response to her admonition was to never let me let her hear me talk to my talk sister. to her that way. That's a pretty powerful realization for a young kid. You know, to be able to see things in that way. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine last night, and she and I were talking about, you know, some of these bigger realizations. She said, Andy, you know, I just realized people don't always come to those things on their own. But that's a big one. Like, that's a, a big one that what I said and what you heard are different. I didn't come to that until my mid-30s. And, I, and I'm and I'm on the way out of my mid thirties, so that's how how recent that was, right? Like I'm on the way out. I'm 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 going into late thirties. <laughs> Gotta end my late thirties. You, you poor kid. I feel oh. nothing for that <laughs> 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 because it is well. <clears throat> when your grandmother was your grandmother, the one with the rubber balls and the crazy girl. Oh yeah, she was. Okay. she was so, not about what, me. <laughs> we don't know what she actually said because we didn't tape it, but what did little, were you, were you Andrea? Back I was then? Andrea. I'm still Andrea, Andrea to my family. Yeah. Right. They won't, they won't adopt the, uh, the androgyny. So <laughs> we're still, that's their problem. Yep. So what did you in your, in your Andiest of Andy heart of heart, soul of soul, whatever, however you want to frame it when she said that about the rubber balls, because you were having fun and it was important to like, you had names for them, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I still have my, my little Teddy who's this big and I've had him for my entire life. I mean, I, 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 was, I, don't know, I was like two or something. I got that. And I still, I keep him in a drawer. So he's safe with my sister who died of um, ovarian cancer about 20 years ago the last time I saw her and she was on her way out, she said, I can't kiss you because I have thrush, but I want you to have Lammy. And Lammy was her little, you know, stuffed mm. lamb. So Teddy and Lammy are up in the drawer together. And I say hi to him every morning. I open the drawer and I say hi to them. And that's important for me to give myself permission to do that. Because oh, that that lets them love me. And I know that there are people who are going to go, what the hell are you talking about? They're stuffed animals. It's like your little balls. Giving them names lets them love you. Yeah. So and everything is energy, you know? Yeah. And 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 love is 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 the is the heart of that. I, I don't have any doubt about that at all. I'm, I, I'm, I'm leaving my body again. We got to get me back in. You know, I'm going to, I think I wasn't, I knew that this conversation would go somewhere beautiful. I'm going to probably, I've, I've thought of a title in my mind, which I'm not going to say at this moment, but I, I'm looking at the note that I made about tall children that you said at the very beginning of this, that we are tall children. And as I think about you saying good morning to your stuffed animals. I think a lot of people don't know this about me because of my hard exterior. Like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, but the hardest exteriors are usually the softest people. And I have slept with the same blanket for nearly 38 years. It's 
disgusting. It is it is a a rag that was once yellow, and now I think it's like a putrid brownish green. But that's my blanket. That's kilt. She goes everywhere I go. She travels everywhere with me. And she loves you. And she loves me. And she's a she. And all, and typically all of the uh, the objects, I, I prefer to be he's, but she's a she. And she's always been a she. And I don't know why she became a she. I was three. That rhymes. But really, I, I've acknowledged that I, I'm a tall child. And I always found people that embrace that to be the most beautiful people. I mean, when I was working at the restaurant, when people would come in and ask for crayons and fully grown people that are that are coloring before they eat and they're retired, obviously, I don't know if they ever had kids, but it's it's, it's older couples that you, you think of and then they're just coloring or sometimes it'll just be one man coloring and it was very... It's like, good for you, bro. Good for you. When did you come to the realization that you were just a tall child? Um, I didn't sort of announce it to myself until, I don't know, 20 years ago or so. But I always knew it. My my friend Bruce, and he was he was one of the ones who stayed up all night with me and came up with everything is nothing. he um he still introduces me when I'm you know when I do something with him and you know a party or something and he introduces me he says this is my friend Mac he's the he's the uh, oldest kid I know I love it and it's I'm I'm on that trip but I'm gonna go back for a second to your blanket I mean hope my my wife sleeps with the blanket and she pretty much has to have it that's not, it's like where's the blanket it's a non-negotiable i'm I, non-negotiable. we are soul sisters <laughs> it's a non-negotiable the blanket is coming the blanket it. it was her mother's blanket i i got to have this blanket really so it's been passed down a generation this is so this is so beautiful that we're just so openly talking about this because talk about things that you were you know, the, that who's pointing the finger, you know, when I was little, it was probably, it was cute till I was about five or six. And then when I started being like seven, eight, nine, it was, when are you going to get rid of that blanket? When is that blanket oh. going to go? When are you going <laughs> to, when are you going to do it? And I'm like, ah, oh, it's not. And at that time it was like, okay, let's, let's try to bully you into getting rid of the blanket. And then once you're over a certain age, it's, it's just accepted again. And, um, that we're talking about this. I'm, I'm talking about this publicly on the internet. Like if you, if I could go back to my six-year-old self, seven-year-old self, 30 years ago, I'm going to be 38. So 30, 30 plus years ago and say, don't worry. Kilt is still going to be around in 30 years. And you're going to be talking about it publicly to the world on a podcast. Like I would be like, What? <laughs> oh man what's that um i think part part of this whose finger is it thing um has to do 
with learning that false lesson, which is you have to hide yourself. Hmm. Um, you know, back to childhood, um, my maternal grandmother, whom I adored, and I, I went every summer and stayed at her house in the country in New Jersey. And, you know, we would we would do the double acrostic together. And, and she introduced me to Hart Crane's poetry and stuff. I mean, it was this it was this kind of movie movie relationship. I was 11 and, and she was introducing me to to weigh out poets and stuff. <clears throat> and I used to go out into her garden and <clears throat> in a little mason jar with a little kerosene in the bottom, I would collect the Japanese beetle off of cheap beetles off of her roses. And I, I forget, she would I'd get like a nickel per jar or something of roses. And then she would she would say, well, go play. And I would go play. I'd go play in the woods. I'd go play down in the glen by the stream. I'd, there was this old abandoned quarry. I'd go play in the quarry all by myself and just have the best time and, and not be afraid at all. And then I'd stop by the, the glen, the, the creek on the way back to the house for lunch. And I would pick watercress because we had watercress sandwiches for lunch that was so that, that was the ritual <laughs> but she came to visit us once and i was even littler but i still adored her um i was probably six or seven and she came and i was so excited to see her and i said when are you leaving and what i meant was how long are you staying yeah yeah, yeah. but i got in trouble for that Oh, don't talk to your grandmother that way. And I, it took me a long time to figure out where the trespass was. Because yeah. it was for me, it was a question of time, not of value. Right. I just right. wanted the number of days she was going to stay. And I came at it bluntly. So it, it's this, it's this, um, it's, it's like, you know, crabs when they when they when they shed their shell, because you know, crabs can only grow if they leave their shell behind because it like holds them in. They're delicious, number one. I don't know if you've ever had a soft crab, but they are quite tasty. Um, but they have to be terrified of everything because until their shell gets hard again, they're completely vulnerable and helpless. Yeah. And and there's some sort of um, primal thing, I think, that gets unfortunately reinforced by our teachers and our ministers and our neighbors and whatever, that <clears throat> you got to keep your shell robust. And see, I never saw you as crusty. Really? No, you didn't fool me for a cocaine heartbeat, as uh, I would say. There was a, you know who uh, Gary Larson is? He he did the Far Side cartoon. I do. I do. Yes. Yes, I he do. Was, he and I were pen pals for a while. He um, Like OG I, with a pen? With a real pen. We like wow. wrote to each other. Um, I wanted to get some of his cartoons to give to my friend Mike for his birthday. 
So I just figured out how to get in touch with him through, I don't know, United Features Syndicate or whoever it was. And I said, I told him a whole story and I said, I would like this cartoon, this cartoon and this cartoon, which my friend Mike loves. I don't know if that's something you can even do, but I, if I don't ask, I don't find out. And he sent them to me. And, and in the fairly long letter he wrote, he said, please don't tell anybody that you got these from me because in my contract, I am not allowed to do this, but I really appreciate your asking. So I sent him a tape of my, of my music and he wrote me back and he said, I play guitar too. What kind of guitar do you? And so we, for a couple of years, we had this nice uh, uh, back and forth. And believe it or not, this does have a start and an end. It, it's a I'm with you. I am and right yeah, with you. I know this is, um, he had a cartoon with two polar bears outside of an igloo, which they pretty much torn apart. And one of the polar bears says to the other, I love these things. They're hard and crunchy on the outside, but soft and chewy on the inside. Because mm. they were eating the inhabitants of the igloo. Mm. <laughs> Do you have that you could send me? I got to find that. I, I, um, that was not one of the ones I asked him to send me. Uh, but I'm sure you can find it. So I would look for it. Your 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 crustiness. Um, <clears throat> My crustiness. I can I can <laughs> I can I can I can sense. But for me, it was like a it was like a a screen in in the window. You know, it's like a screen. I can still see the trees. You know, I know there's a screen there, but I can still see everything. Well, you're so, very perceptive. I think, you know, you, you're very perceptive and you can sense, and that's an art that we have lost. We have lost the ability to sense. I think a lot of us have lost that ability. That's just a judgment. Maybe it's because I lost it for a while, but I, no, I don't think I ever did. I think that there's layers of protection and when mm -hmm. the layers of protection were there and during my drinking days, when everything was just a little bit hazier, I wasn't quite clear always on who was with me and who they were because I couldn't really see. Yep. And I so as I think about as I as I speak this out and I'm kind of working through it as I'm speaking. It was def it's definitely a projection. <coughs> and um yeah, definitely a projection that that we've lost our ability because when I say we, I mean me at some point. At, as someone that I was at some point. But I mean, it's it's nice and comforting when somebody sees. You know, it's nice because I spent a lot of my life hiding. I, I like to say hiding in plain sight. You know, in New York, you hide in plain sight. <laughs> like yep. you, you walk down the street and no one sees you and a lot of my that that character that I developed in my early life all the way up through my 30s the ego was so vibrant that it would distract people and people would say oh here it all look at look at all she is look at that look at that 
strong woman. Look at that funny woman. All, all those. Look at that witty woman, that quick woman. And they would say those things. And they'd be so distracted by that that they wouldn't see that I had that I my shell is soft and like I'm 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 here in the water, but I'm like, oh, I'm setting off fireworks over there. Look at the fireworks. Go, go, go over there and look. <laughs> like, look at them, look at that. <laughs> and they don't see, and they don't see. And um, you know, I I really a friend of mine just recently said to me, he said, I'm glad you're getting out of New York because I want to leave New York. I want to move to Arizona. I don't know when it's going to actually happen. Um, it's kind of a, it's just when, when I have enough money to actually uproot my life across the country. But he said, I'm, I'm glad you're getting out of New York. I don't think New York's done anything for you. I think it's done a lot for your ego, but I don't think it's done anything for you. Wow. And that really stayed with me. Because the you is, I think, the you that you're talking about. Like, I, you didn't, I, you know, I saw that there was a screen there, but there's trees behind the screen. You know, we have that. And I think a lot of us can see those things in other people because we're really in touch with our own humanity. And I see that. I see that in you. I see, I see your, um, I see a very, a lifelong exploration when I, when I look at you of, of the depths of humanity. I know you're a musician. And I know that you're you're all of the the I'm gonna say stereotypical things of people that would look inward, you know, like musicians are usually deep. People, you know, people, you're a recovering English teacher. English teachers are usually deep. But, that, <laughs> but there's more to it than that, Mac. Like those are just the the side effects. I think that you just on your own, when even when you're talking about your early life, are just that kind of introspective. Like and it's cool because, you know, as you, as you know, whenever we talk, I, I feel things. I'm like, oh, I enjoy being with him. Well, all, all of my, especially since COVID, <clears throat> I have more close friends now than I've ever had in my life. And half of them I've never met face to face. Isn't that cool? It, I think it's just wonderful. Um. And the quality that all of us share, it, it's always dangerous to boil shit down, but is curiosity. And, and <clears throat> real curiosity gives us, gives me, and I think gives you and some other people like Colin Smith and uh, Craig, um, and there are there are some more who aren't connected directly with to the bench. This um, this safety, it's a, it's a for me it's a really safe place. Whereas old me saw it as a really risky place. So is this a new is is the shift from risky to safe recent for you? Since it's, it's always, <clears throat> excuse me, it's always been my default setting. Always. Until. Um, and there were times with the, with the finger, that fucking finger, where I've said, just settle down. Stop trying all these new things. You know, stop pushing the envelope. 
You're never going to have a career. Look at your friends. They're all corporate lawyers and everything. And they have summer homes and, you know, you know, yeah. And like, you're still like camping. You're 40 years old for Christ's sake. And you're still, you still enjoy camping. You're not supposed to enjoy camping. You're supposed to, by now you're supposed to enjoy resort living or something, you know? Yeah. 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 What's your problem? So it was always there. It was undeniable. It was my best voice, but I kind of thought there was something wrong. Like you playing with the balls. There must be something wrong with me because I'm perfectly happy being curious. I'm, yeah, exactly. Perfectly yes. Yes. Perfectly happy that. with this. <laughs> I'm really happy. When I was, when I was little, I was probably 10 or 11 or something. Um, I didn't know that I was nearsighted. Now, when I was supposed to be taking a nap, when I was a little kid, I was always reading a book. And when I'd hear one of my parents come upstairs to check on me, I'd, I'd hide the book under the pillow and put my head on the pillow and pretend to be asleep because I was supposed to be napping, um, which is probably why I was nearsighted because I read so much. But anyhow, um, I didn't know that the leaves on the trees and the leaves on the ground were the same, came from the same place. Oh, wow. Because the leaves on the trees were like cotton because they were far away that they were like it was like this cloud of of stuff yeah they weren't they weren't um what's that you didn't see the edges whatever the word I didn't is see the edges. blanking sure. on the word yeah you didn't yeah. see the edges but when they got close to me like on the ground it was like wow these are cool i'm not sure where they come from but they're really all these colors and i would pick them up just like you with the balls i would walk around and pick up leaves and look at them and i'm sure there are people who walk by the house going that's a strange boy (laughs) (laughs) mac i want to talk about this not necessarily about the the leaves right um because it's part of it but but rather um you know i have these conversations and a lot of my friends are older, you know, and um, it's easy to have these conversations. It's harder to have ones with people that are 30, you know, about this. And we the, there's this common thing about, oh, you spend the first half of your life building things. You know, you build the career, you build the family, you build the, you know, the the, the kids or the wife or the husband or the, the house or the whatever. And then the second half, you start thinking about what does it all mean? Well, I started with that. I started with what does it all mean? I never <laughs> I never did the other thing, didn't get the corporate job, didn't do the, just didn't do it. And as we're kind of consciously, collective consciousness veil is kind of thinning, I think that there's a real place for the people that have always been curious to step up and help aid us in this transitional part. I really believe that. I really believe it and I see evidence of it every day. And maybe I see evidence of it because I'm looking for the evidence. I don't know. But I don't know how to say to somebody that's in the process of assembling the brick house. You're not going to be happy when that house is finished. Like that house is not going to bring you happiness. It might bring you comfort, you know, and it, and, and it might bring you a place to build memories. And but that house itself is not the thing. You know, just like the when you I just saw a spiritual meme that uh, Enlightenment Studio I studied Dharma at posted, or maybe it was somebody in a group from that studio. I digress. 
that, that was like, oh, when I when I go to the gym and build my body, I'll be happy. And then there was the next frame of this really buff <laughs> person. No, that wasn't it. <laughs> and I just I don't know how to translate and I want to translate like, hey, bro, it doesn't matter. Stop. Cool it. I mean, maybe it does. I don't know. I just I, I don't think that these things within themselves don't matter. Like you're of course, your house matters and your children matters and your spouse matters and your job matters. Of course, those things matter. And yet everything is nothing. <laughs> I'm returning back to it because it is. And it's like you can have all of th- those things, but those are not the thing that's going to lead you to the place that you're aching to go. Yeah. What are your thoughts? I've been on a, I- I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to get carried away and I'm going to get <laughs> I'm already carried away. I'm going to pause real back. Allow you to share (laughs) your thoughts. (laughs) Um, None of those things are bad things. I mean, we just spent a lot of time and basically all of my resources, all of my financial resources, because Hope uh, has money in the bank. I don't. So she said, I'm your retirement. (laughs) Um, So making this house what it is. And I love it because the the two of us said, we're going to, this is what we want it to feel like when it's done. Yeah. And some people said, you can't do that. That won't work. And, you know, and, and so we just kept talking and finally we found somebody who said, yeah, here's how it can work. Here's how it can work. So anyhow, so we have this wonderful place and there's nothing wrong with that. I I try to exercise pretty regularly. I know that you run. Um, I've never been, I'm a great walker. I'm not a good runner because just the way my body ended up being from the get-go. But um, you're tall. I'm tall. Yeah. I've, you know, I've got stork legs, um, you know whatever but i like working out <clears throat> um so all these all these um environmental things in my world you know you're talking about when you when you get your big house or you get your tesla or you get whatever you'll be happy <clears throat> if we flip that around and we start with i am happy and because i am happy i want to work out yeah, because, that does it. Right. Yeah. Because, and I said, because I yeah, go. No, no, no. I said this to, to a friend of mine um, just the other day because, you know, talking about the, and, and I have to really say this. I do have a little bit of a hang up with women because the patriarchy has really fucked women really fucked women made women hate themselves hate their bodies hate everything about who they are and once we realize that's a lie if you continue to believe it i believe it is on you and i'm not gonna have and i'm not gonna and when i say this i'm saying this as my opinion and i don't expect you mac as a man to say anything about it because i don't want i don't want that for you i'm saying this as a woman and i'm saying 
that, you know, I was speaking to a, a friend talking about being on some plan, eating plan, losing weight. Cause you know, when you're on an eating plan, you typically do, but what typically happens, you, you balloon back up as soon as that's over. And you know, I said, Hey, you know, that doesn't have to happen. The, the being on when that's over the the ballooning back up is optional all right because i think that everybody to a degree when they lose weight does follow some sort of plan or unless they just are living in euphoria in which case it'll happen on its own and that that is the case with a lot of people and when we feel good and like ourselves we don't want to feel like crap so we don't want to eat the entire jar of Nutella. And when we're sitting in self-loathing, we're like, well, when I eat the whole jar of Nutella, I feel like shit, but that's okay. I deserve it. I hate myself anyway. And it's a complete, you know, it's just a complete difference. And I was just thinking about that because if you start with, I am happy. Yeah. You want to, you want to take care of the vessel that you inhabit. And if the, the rhetoric is, I'm not happy, I hate myself, then it's like, well, okay, then I'm going to not take care of this vessel. I'm going to treat this vessel like as if I would treat a piece of shit car. You know, I wouldn't treat my Tesla the way that I would treat the piece of shit car. If I believe that the vessel I'm in is a piece of shit, I'm going to treat it like a piece of shit. If I believe it's pristine, I'm going to treat it that way. That was a little bit of a, of a tangent. It kind of relates, but, you know, I know that people listen and there is something to be said for, hey, maybe the egg comes first. Maybe it actually wasn't the chicken. Maybe it was the egg. Maybe the egg was just divinely created and the chicken hatched. Maybe the chicken didn't lay the egg. Maybe we could just start with the happiness. And if you don't know how, uh, shameless plug, call me. I mean, like, I don't know what to say. Like, I mean, really, <clears throat> we could just start there. I think I'm complete in that. Thank you for allowing oh no i love it yeah yeah I, mean, I love the idea that we can just start there mm -hmm. and and if our <clears throat> you know if you go to a bookstore i still like to go to bookstores i love bookstores um and you go to the self-improvement aisle which is fucking huge you know, there's all these, this is the way to happiness. All you have to do is remember these four things and your life will be full and rich. You know, the seven habits of highly stupid executives. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and I think, you know, I think that it, 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 it uh, grows, you know, like the chicken and the egg. <clears throat> you know where it comes from why it exists who made it for me are are fun ideas but they're not they're not necessary it seems to me that the necessary part is <clears throat> happiness is available love is available they aren't scarce resources right you know it isn't like well if I'm too happy, I'll use it all up. And by the time I'm 23, my happiness tank will be not only empty, but it'll have cobwebs in it and I'll never be able to get it again. 
So I better be very careful to just apportion myself little itty bitty 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 pieces of happiness. Maybe Wednesday from like nine to 11. <clears throat> That's my, I'm going to allow myself that much happiness. So it'll, it'll be there when I'm, if I live to be hundred, you know, all these, um, one of my favorite sayings from the program is that there, there, are, there are two corporations in our head. <clears throat> one manufactures bullshit. The other one buys it. When I first heard you say that, I, I was like, that's brilliant. We don't it's have brilliant. to buy it. You don't have right? to buy it. You don't, have, you to don't buy have to buy it because we know that our brains are going to still manufacture it because that's how we were programmed by too many people. But we don't have to buy it. We can just say, uh-uh. Yeah. Uh-uh. And so I, I see so many people who just need a little crack. I mean, um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm an introvert and I'm shy and I have a stutter. So I, I'm... And I'm fine by myself. I mean, I love being married. I love relationships and close friends. But I'm, I'm fine. I can go for. I used to, I used to go sailing by myself. I would go out for two weeks all by myself. I'd have a ball. I would just have the best time. Not that I didn't miss people, but that kind of solitude I'm comfortable with. And. I've started doing this, and you already know this. I've started doing this not quite a year ago. When I go into a store, and you know, I ask the guy behind the fish counter, you know, I I would like some. Do you have any Arctic char? Um, which is you don't see often, but my friend John and I traveled in the Arctic once, and we caught char and ate it. It's my favorite fish. It's really hard to find. And and the fish guy will be that'll be an opening. For the fish guy, who's usually male, so I'm going to say he, for him to go, oh, you know about Arctic char? That's the crack he needed. Yeah. And then yes. I'll say, yeah, I'll say, I didn't catch your name. And and he'll, 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 he'll look at me like I'm Jesus or something. You know, yeah. he'll say, oh, I'm Henry. And I'll say, hi, Henry, I'm Mac. And then the two of us, all of a sudden, are like going, yeah, Arctic char, you know, a really good way to cook that and stuff. And oh. all of a sudden, we're like happy together, like that turtle song, right? Like the turtle song. Um, I was just going to ask you, not to interrupt, but did you have tin bar? Um, when I was a boy at the yacht club, um, I tend to bar a couple times. But tend to bar, um, that's what you do when you tend bar, that that same sort of thing. So my my ex-boyfriend and I, talked about this once the best thing you could know is the u.s highway system know it like the back of your hand because if somebody tells you where they're from you if you can name the highway that's your crack that's the crack that's the crack and they will and they will open up in ways know the interstates know the u.s highways knows what know what city they go through i mean and it's such a i don't know like sometimes I think of myself, I'm like, who are you, Andrea? Like, are you some like truck driver? <laughs> like, what are you? But if you can know just one thing. And then when I was tending bar, I'd bank facts. So um, one of my favorite facts was a guy from Alaska came in and he's like, oh, we have the roadkill registry. So, you know, what, what you do is you sign up for the roadkill registry. And if there's a, a, a moose or a caribou that's killed on the road, they'll start calling the names on the registry to see if anybody wants to come up, come and pick it up and get the meat before they throw it away. And <clears throat> so 
any <sighs> on the rare occasion somebody from Alaska would come in and be like, I heard about the roadkill registry. It's just like a random example. But if you can just bank facts, and you know, I worked in Times Square, so it was people all over the, the world every day, and I have enough facts, I think, at least about America. And if not most of, I don't know, a good portion of Western Europe and maybe even, you know, going further from there, pretty much can, can just, I mean, it's like the Arctic char. And then all of a sudden we're in it together. And it's like, oh, wait, you're one of me. I'm one of you. I'm here. I'm here with you. Oh, okay. And I've had, you know, I haven't done a double blind study nor would i i have never had anybody back away and somebody told me or i heard it on the radio or something they said you know when you when you pull up to the crossing like in front of a store and there's somebody with their cart like ready to go don't wave them across because that feels like you're in charge of them Said just uh, this, do do this across your dashboard. Smile at them and go. And it works. They always laugh and they're always like, oh. yeah, because that's what that, that was. They needed that that crack. They needed that invitation instead of that command or that instruction or that, you know, I um, I think you charged me twice for the potatoes. Uh, they just need somebody to 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 drop their shields enough to assume that both of us want love. Always we want love and we want to give love and we want to receive love. And if we just get this much room to go, this is a person that realizes that I realize that too, but most people don't let me realize that. And as soon as you realize that together, you're off and running and they they may be Trumpers or they may be, you know, fascists or I don't know, or, or Presbyterians. I don't know what the hell they are, but they are we're eager, eager for the opportunity to just, you know, as you said, is is we. 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 It's powerful, my friend. Powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, we start getting into conversations about love. I mean, we can. I I have been living in pretty deep love for the last month, two. And it's it's been interesting for me because, you know, I can get away from it. I can get away from that with the mm-hmm. and I want to tie this all together with everything everything is nothing. With all the stuff. All the stuff that's telling me that I should be at this place at this time doing this thing to get this thing to build this shit to do all this whatever. And the idea of everything is nothing in my mind is all of that thing you think it's about isn't really what it's about. Mm-hmm. So all the places that you're trying to go and all the things that you're mm-hmm. trying to achieve and all the outcomes that you're hoping will manifest is not what it's about. We're just here and we are love. Like we are. We're love. Like we are. That is the 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 core of us. Like we can just do that all day. Why not? I know. It, it, maybe that's the more in question, more important question is instead of why, is why not? I mean, I, 
I, I have some sponsee. I have a sponsee now in, in the uh, program. And every once in a while, he'll have a, an issue, a problem. And he'll say, I don't know why I keep doing this to myself. And I'll say to him, I, that's, I think you're asking the wrong question. The question is not why do I keep doing this, but why don't I stop doing this? Hmm. That's also very powerful. And and I'm finally learning to to live that way. I don't mean finally like it happened on Tuesday, but um, you know, <clears throat> in my life because. I always knew intuitively that it was there. I, I was always connected to that, but I was afraid of it. I didn't trust it. It wasn't, you know, it didn't fit in with my white middle-class wasp male. background. Yeah, male, thank you. Um, there's plenty of toxicity among the genders to go around. And I think, that the patriarchy and all that shit is that most men are very much afraid of women. Yeah, we've very talked much. about we've talked about that. Would you like to to share what you shared with me earlier about about why? Well, there's. Did you ever see the movie Blazing Saddles with Gene Wilder? I have. It's been a long time, right, Gene Wilder? Yeah. Right. Well, I think so. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it's was- no. No, <laughs> you're right. Uh, Gene Wilder, Cleavon, Cleavon Little. Um, um, anyhow, um, Alex Karras, who plays Mongo, Mongo like candy, um, and Lily von Stupp, um, and Stupp is kind of German slang for sex. Mm. So she does this takeoff on Marlena Dietrich, and she has this phony lisp German accent, which is hysterical, but she talks about her as a woman and she says and i have this power and i think most men feel that women have power over them you know the truth is mac we do yes <laughs> and then that's the and and it's it's such a this is why i said before and i'm glad that we're talking about this by the way anybody that's listening if you're still you know i'm they are still listening obviously um <laughs> no i think that uh, Mac Mac put together a, a compilation book called Gender Crap, which I can put a link to in the show notes. And I was a part of that book. And we talked a lot about, about gender, not just gender identity, but gender stereotypes mm-hmm. and gender roles. And so there was just a lot of um, talking about gender. And so Mac and I have had conversations about gender, but uh, speaking of gender and gender, just working its way into this, into this show, that is one of my another one of my hangups, as I mentioned before, with you know women is that they don't see the power. I get that the patriarchy was a bitch, but like, how do you not see what you can do? Like, how do you not see? Like, and <laughs> like, I mean, and I am a person that I don't like do anything to myself. I walk through this where I, I have not tweezed my eyebrows in two or three years. I mean, it has been years there that it has been over a year since I have put a speck of makeup on my face, except for a wedding. I mean, this is not. 
and yet there is it has nothing to do with the appearance it has nothing to do with i mean sure okay the hips are nice whatever but like it's something else it's there is a power that comes with being a woman yeah oh and it's 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 wonderful and it's wonderful and i and i see and i think that's that's where my frustration lies with with other women in that hey like are you gonna let yourself see this today like i get why men would feel that way yeah and and, and it's it's okay yeah it's okay i mean i don't feel that like i can be clear about my power if i lie about any other kind of power Hmm. um you know all the um dysphoria and all the transgender stuff and you know all that sort of i like those stirrings of those kinds of questions because i think that clarity especially in our culture is something which is which is really dysfunctional you know what i'm what are the markers of andy given that there's a primary um, difference between you and me is that I'm a man and you're a woman. And there's a, you know, there's other, there's generational differences and there's, there's other kinds of differences, but that's a, a primary difference. And I think that's a wonderful difference. You know, whether you're, heterosexual or homosexual or bisexual or asexual or any of the sexuals um that that primary difference is such a source of of power for all of us but if we pretend or are afraid of it or run screaming from it or have to make the other people's power suspect or 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 evil and in that louise penny book that I was telling you about, about the guy with the giant, giant cannon. Um, it starts with them discovering the actual cannon hidden in the woods. Um, and there's a, there's a um, carving on it. And the carving on it is the whore of Babylon. And, you know, back to the roots of, of Christianity, there is, I mean, it's in the Bible, this thing about the whore of Babylon right and lot's wife and eve and all this stuff that <clears throat> loads up femininity with not maybe evil but not quite evil but um the dark side it's it, well you know i have no history of patriarchal religions Right, like didn't so. Whenever I learn about it, I I wonder sometimes. I'm like, oh, maybe that also played a part. Maybe it what didn't start with advertising. Maybe it didn't start with diet culture. Maybe it didn't start with Puritan values. Maybe, but that that obviously would be lumped in with religion. But maybe it was earlier than that, you know. And and it's um you know the way that I see it in terms of gender and and gender 
identity is either embrace it or transcend it, you know, like, or one or the other, but like, if you transcend it, like, that's wonderful. Like the Buddha had transcended gender, like non-binary, right. you know? I mean, so if, if you don't want to live in the binary, don't live in the binary. If you want to transcend the binary, transcend the binary. And if you're going to choose to remain the gender that you were assigned at birth, embrace the hell out of it. Like, just, just embrace it. You know, I, I had to make that decision in my own life because I always felt very masculine. You know this about me. Right. And I was like, am I, I asked myself the question many times. I still ask it to this day. I'm like, am I transgender? No. And the answer is always no. It's a resounding no. No, you're not. I'm like, all right, well, I don't know if this is like, maybe this is the first time I was a woman. I don't know. I don't know how that works. I don't, I, I only know this incarnation and this body, but I'm just going to embrace the hell out of it. This is what it is. And that doesn't mean what the the media says it should look like, but just what it is, which is this beautifully powerful thing. Yeah. And I, and I think it's true that you can't, you know, when you talk about your power versus acknowledging other people's power, I think some of your greatest power is your vulnerability. Yeah. And it's not a, it's, you know, back to the crab, it's just part of the deal. It's part of the deal. I mean, I get afraid. I get afraid at income tax time, you know, you know, yes. I just, I, yes. yeah, I, yeah, yeah, you're like, yeah, ah, yeah. hello. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's the only I just, thing different. I just had, you know, I'm getting a physical, so I had all my blood work done. And uh, in this wonderful age in which we live, you know, I get a, a text that says, by the way, here, all the blood work results are available. Just go to this. Thank you. Yes, yes. Like, the look on your on my face, they can't see it. But I'm just like, no. oh God. <laughs> like before you hit the link to pull yeah. it up, what is it gonna tell me? Cancer. Well, and you know, so so I'm like, well, I've got a lot of things to do today before I do that. Um before. Yes. yeah, I think I think I want to arrange the towels. I'm gonna arrange the towels. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, change the bed would be good. That would be smart. If I, you know, it's, it's oh. this dance of shit. Um, so I downloaded it and it was all okay. And, and Hope looked at it. She's a nurse practitioner. So she knows this shit, you know, it's like 75 things, you know, your ER 22 XL Frankenia value. I mean, it's all this stuff that is completely meaningless. She's so she she pages through it all. And while she's looking at it, I'm thinking, like, why doesn't she say something? It must be bad news. She doesn't know how to tell me that I have terminal nostril cancer or something. <clears throat> and and so she gets all the way through. She reminds me, you two would be wonderful pals. Because and, and and she's working this, so she's she's being quiet and looking really serious, you know, because she knows what what I'm going through, and she can't help but go. <laughs> and then finally, she says, "Looks like I'm going to be stuck with you for a while." Oh my god! <laughs> god love her. God oh, love. Her I, I've only met Hope once, but she seems fantastic. She's a, she's a piece of work and a half. 
she is. That's awesome, Mac. Mac, we're about out of time. We are. Is there anything you want to say before we wrap up to my <laughs> listeners? It's. Um, I want to say that I love you. Um, I value everything about you. Again, I've never seen the crust. I, and I don't know if it's because you realize we were kindred spirits or you forgot to be crusty. I mean, I see it as, um, um, I see it as, as theater. So, you know, you get cast in a play and you have to play this raving fanatical bitch. Um, and I go to see the play and I love your performance and I know that it's just a performance. You know, once you once you take your costume off and you take your makeup off, because I used to work in theater, and part of what I loved it about it is I got to be somebody else. And then I got to come back. I didn't have to stay there. And for some reason, I I got cast as an evil person several times. <clears throat> And it, you probably already heard this story, but I was I was the commandant of Auschwitz once in a in a play, and I played I a second. I, I I was cast as a um, cocaine addicted um, TV executive, but there's a flashback in the play to Auschwitz because one of the people was a boy guard at Auschwitz, and he was called the Snowman because his job as a 15 year old boy, this is at the very end of World War II, was to release the Zyklon B crystals into the showers. Oh. So I go up to Baltimore, I get the full Nazi costume. I mean, the whole thing. As soon as I put it on, I felt different. I felt this sense of of power. I mean, it was it was visceral and it was scary. So we have dress rehearsal. So for the first time, I'm wearing this Nazi, and it's a very short scene with the spotlight basically on me and we finish and everybody's getting ready to go. And the director says, can you, can you wait after for a minute? Which means he wanted to tell me something privately. And he sat down next to me and he said, I, I need to ask you to, to back off in that scene because not only are you scaring the cast and me, but you're scaring the crew backstage. Oh my God. So every night I would have to, because I got so into the role, you know, it was, yeah. obviously it was something in me that I found and was able to inflate. Yeah. But, um, so your crusty shit is, is not even translucent for me. It's, it's, it's just this sort of ephemeral, you know, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a fart in church, you know, it's, it's just like, I know that it's there, but it's like, it's got nothing to do with what's really going on. So, um, Mac, I, really I have, I have never felt sexier, um, with the words <laughs> crusty and a fart in church being, <laughs> being used <laughs> to describe me. <laughs> oh, Mac. What a pleasure. What I a love ple you. I love you so much. Thank you for being on view from the roof today. This has been a wonderful, soulful conversation. I cherish it and you. Thank you. Ditto. Ditto.
What an awesome conversation. Thank you so much, Mac Bogert, for being here. I will be back next week with another episode of View from the Roof. Until then, take care of yourselves. Stay safe. Stay beautiful. I'm Andy Scarantino, and I'll be back very soon. Thank you.